Welcome to the IC Made On podcast. We are so glad that you've chosen to listen online. If you would like to know more about who we are, why we exist, our service times and location, or how you can get involved, then check out our website at icmadeon.com. We hope you enjoy the message today. All right, good afternoon. How are you guys? Man, I'm so happy to see all of you. I'm happy because we have Christmas decorations up. It looks so festive. Did you walk in and just feel like, did you feel like you missed it and this was already December? Maybe that was confusion. But um, it's exciting to see the Christmas lights. And I'm really excited about uh, this new series. Um, This is, it's something that I really am passionate about because I, I feel like a big part of my job is helping you overcome the obstacles you face in this life, helping you to, to get through whatever, whatever Satan puts in your way to keep you from your destiny and your purpose. My job is to help you through God's way and over and past those things to get you where he wants you. So this series is one of those type of series. We're going to conquer our fears. How many of you have some fears? Anyone? Okay, we have some fears, you know. This is November, but it wasn't that long ago that was October, which is kind of like the the fear month because of Halloween. And we were in the U.S. during Halloween, and some people decorate their houses over Halloween. They put scary things out, and there's horror movies. And, you know, I notice here in Indonesia, it seems like we have horror movies all the time. (laughs) It's not just October. January, it's horror movies, and February and March. How many of you like horror movies? Okay, a few brave people. How many of you sleep with your lights on? You don't have to raise your hand. I, I think there is a correlation here with the horror movies and how many people I know that sleep with their lights on. But I don't know. I, d- I don't like horror movies. I do not watch scary movies. I don't need to see something of some girl with long black hair in her face because if I get up to get aqua in the middle of the night, I will think I see her everywhere. I just, my imagination is, is too big like that. But, you know, we all have things we fear. One of my fears is arachnophobia. That is the fear of spiders. How many of you hate spiders? Anyone? Okay. I, I, spiders have always scared me to death. I think it's because when I was very young, a spider bit me. And uh, it started the relationship off bad, you know. It bit me, and I was really cheated because I didn't get any superpowers. I can't shoot webs. I can't climb up walls. All it did was it hurt really bad, and then I was afraid. That's that's how it was for me. When I was uh, in high school, in uh, this was 1990 when this movie came out, Arachnophobia. I'm not suggesting you watch this, especially if you don't like spiders, because it scared me to death. It had really big spiders from South America. And uh, I just want to show you a clip of this just to kind of illustrate fear. Someone in, the, in this clip is really afraid. And I hope that some of you guys jump out of your seats when you see this. So anyway, let's check out this clip from Arachnophobia. Why don't we just take the dead spider and get out of here? Oh, no, Ross, you don't get off that easy. Dead spider's already desiccated. Wouldn't be any use to You mean macerated? No, I mean desiccated. Dried up, drained of all its blood. Macerated is the... uh... Chewing that they do. Chewing, right. 
like little vampires. This trip at Atherton to find the spider species, where'd he go? South America. Venezuela, why? Oh! Is that one of them? I'd say it's a fine suspect. Ross, you're gonna have to take a step towards it. Chris, I'm scared to death. And we all are. But our brains secrete a neurotransmitter and enables us to deal with them. Come on. I don't think I have that particular neurotransmitter. Yes, you do. That wasn't even the big spider. That was the little one. But I would be like that, pinned against the wall, terrified. Nemo can tell you, when we used to live in Padang Bulan, there were a lot of trees around us, and the big tree spiders would get in our house. You know those, that, they look like the size of your hand. Every once in a while, we're walking through the house, and then there's a spider, and I would freeze and yell for Nemo or yell for Carrie. I'm not proud of that. It's just how it is. Fear can change your life. Uh, being afraid of spiders growing up, I always check my shoes before I put my feet in them, partly because of this movie. That's a spoiler. I check my shoes. If I am camping or even when we are out, uh, you could ask any of the guys, when we go out building churches, normally I sleep with my boots on just because I don't want any jungle spider getting in my shoes. Fear will affect your entire life. And I know that Many of us here, we all experience fears, but many of you, your fears are greater than the fear of spiders. You know, some of you are facing things in your life right now that make being afraid of a spider seem silly or ridiculous. Because we have big things in our life. Many of our, our fears are far more uh, serious than that. And what fear does often, Satan uses fear against us to stand in our path and keep us from the destiny that God has for us, to keep us from our purpose, to keep us from being who we're supposed to be. You may be uh, running along, chasing after God, fulfilling your purpose, doing great things for God, and then suddenly this fear pops up and stops you in your tracks and you're terrified. And you can't move any further. There's this, this big fear standing ahead of you or this, this big worry, this big, this big concern, and you can't get past it. And if you're like me in your life, you may have found yourself like that guy in the movie, just pinned there for a minute. I can't move. I can't go any further. Sometimes not only can you not step forward, but it causes you to step back. Fear. And what God tells us in his word is that Christians should not have fear. Man, that sounds very hard, doesn't it? We shouldn't have fear in our lives. So the next few weeks, what we're going to be discussing is how to face our fears and how to become fearless. First John chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 13 through 18. It says, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. 
If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. So we, we just had a baptism service yesterday that was amazing. The weather was perfect, no rain, the sun was shining bright, so it was hot outside of the pool, it felt cool in the pool, and then after the baptism, we had cake and ice cream. It was a perfect day. And it was celebrating all of these people that acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. When we get baptized, we may have made the decision long before that, but the baptism is showing, hey, I acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. And all of us who make that acknowledgement, it says God lives in us. God comes into us. His Spirit comes into us. And we live in Him, meaning we live in, in His presence. We walk with God. That's how we can live in Him. We make our address in God. We walk with Him. We talk with Him. We follow His ways. So God lives in us, and we live in Him. Verse 16, it says, and so we know and rely on the love of God, or the love that God has for us. We know and rely on the love God has for us. We not only know that he loves us, we rely on that. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. When we look at part of what it's telling us really is that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. If, if, if love is there, it says fear is cast out. You know, when we... When we are afraid of, of God or afraid of something that's facing us or afraid of whatever, it's because we don't really understand God's love for us. When we have these fears, we don't have this confidence. We haven't received this perfect love. God has a perfect love for you, every single one of you. Just think about that for a moment. That's something we should think about each day and just rest in that and think about it. God's love for you is perfect. It's complete. It's full. He's always loved you. Think about that for a moment. That's mind-blowing. God has always loved you. He's always loved you as much as he loves you right now. He didn't start loving you more because you came to church today. He's always loved you this much. Even before you knew him, even the Bible says when we were sinners, God loved us. And he sent his son to die for us. There's nothing we can do to earn God's love. You know, if we ever hear about a faith or a religion that says you have to earn God's love, that's a false faith or a false religion because God's love has always been there for you. He has, he has always, and we can have confidence in that. This is saying we can know God's love and we can rely on it. And the other things here that it's, it's talking about, no fear in love. There's no fear in love. In a couple other translations I included in the notes, if you, if you look at you version, in the message version, it says, there is no room in love for fear. That means if you are living in God's love, you recognize how much God loves you, there's no room in your life for fear. That's kind of a neat way to think about it. I, I know in my life, and Carrie and I talk about it, 
we've, we've been following God long enough that we really, for the most part, don't have fear in our life. We've been following him for 23 years. I don't get afraid or worried. I, 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 I don't have any room in my life for fear. Have any of you gotten to that point? I don't, I don't have any room for it. I don't have time for it. I'm busy. I'm doing things for God. I'm busy fulfilling the purpose he's given me. I don't have any room in my life to stop and be afraid or stop and be worried. Maybe if there's a spider, but not like, not like life things. I don't have time. I'll stop if there's a spider, but there's very little in this life that can come at me in the form of fear or worry that's going to stop me because I have no room for that. I have no time for that. And God is telling us as Christians, hey, be filled up with my love so much that there's no room for fears. There's no room for worries. There's no time for that. We don't have to live with dread or worry or anxiety about what we may face each day. We know that God is the center of it all. And this phrase, fear not, or some form of it like be not afraid or take courage, those phrases appear over 100 times in the Bible. So God is really trying to get that message out. Hey, be courageous. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. God's constantly, constantly trying to tell us, you don't have to make room for fear in your life. There's no room for it. There's nothing in the world that you should be worried about. There's nothing in the world that you should be fearful about. Why? Because God loves you so much. And if God loves us so much and we are confident in that and understand how full that love is, we're not afraid of anything, nothing. Man, what a freedom when we know we don't have to live in fear anymore. That's such a, that brings so much freedom to our life. It's, why do we not have to live in fear? If you believe in Jesus, you've made your permanent residence in him, meaning you live in him and he lives in you. You can rely on his love. You know, when you watch the news, if any of you watch the news or read the newspaper, usually it's just full of bad news, right? I quit watching the news because it's always bad news. It's very rare to have any good news. If you watch the news in the, in the U.S., there's always a shooting somewhere or there's economic problems or the president said this or now there's a new election and who's going to have power and, and all of these things. It's all, always all the time telling you, here's what you need to be afraid of and here's what you need to worry about. It's, it's the same here. We're surrounded by all of these voices saying, hey, you should be afraid. You should be worried. You should be scared. You can't be prepared enough. You don't know who's going to get in power. Everything that goes around, elections and terrorism and all these different things, and it's always constant, all the time, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. But God says, do not be afraid. You have nothing to fear. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, we see another type of fear. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So there's two types of fear that we see in the Bible, and it can be confusing for us, especially if we're reading it just in English because it's still the word fear. The original word used is different, but what we read is fear. So in, in these two, we're reading, do not be afraid, do not fear. And then we read, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But this fear is different. What this is talking about is not being afraid of God, 
This is talking about uh, having respect for him, for his position, for his power, for his authority, having reverence for who he is. But just like the phrase, fear not, fear of the Lord also appears in the Bible over 100 times. So then we have these two types of fear. Things that we have this fear that we're afraid of things. Then we have this fear of the Lord that talks about respect and reverence and appropriate kind of fear. There's two different responses to fear I want to look at today from from Scripture. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 10, we see Adam and Eve in the garden. It says, Then the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So here we see Adam is afraid of God. This isn't a fear, a respect, or reverence. He is afraid of God because he's done something wrong, because he feels guilt, he feels shame. He recognizes that he is naked before God, and so he runs and hides. And God's looking for him and asking, where have you gone? And here he is, he's hidden because of his fear. The fear that you fear is normally the result of a lie that you've believed. Normally, the fear that you fear is the result of a lie that you believed. Adam's whole problem here was that he was, and it got him in trouble, and now he's afraid. For us, when we experience fear, it's usually because we have believed a lie. Maybe you've believed a lie that, oh, man, I, I messed up too bad this time. There's no way God can forgive me. Sometimes we even will come into church, and maybe you've sat in church before and felt like, why am I even in here? You look around and you think everyone else is holy, but I don't belong. These lies that we believe that puts fear there, it's just Satan trying to stop you from being who you were created to be. Maybe God starts to call you to do something and you have this fear where you feel like, well, surely I can't do that. I, I, don't, I don't belong involved in that. God can't use me. That fear can cause you to hide from the God who loves you which is what Adam did. And he, he had messed up and he tried to hide from the one who loves him the most. When we hide in our life, we're hiding from the one who loves us. I remember when we first started a small group at our house, uh, almost five years ago now. We started a small group, our first life group. We were trying to build a team to launch this church. And out of that life group, out of that small group, we had a lot of people in that group that were new Christians, a lot of people that had not been in church for a long time and had had given up on God and had come back. And this was this group that God had gathered together and said, hey, I'm going to start a church in Maidon with these people. If you had seen us in the beginning, you would have thought, how can God do anything with this group? Anyone in this room that was in that group, you would have thought, that is not the group to start a church with. We weren't. We weren't professional church planters. We didn't know how we were going to do it. All we knew was God said start a church. But we had people in the group that one Friday night we would have life group at our house and we're worshiping and everything is good and everyone's excited. And then during the week, Satan would be lying to some of those people, reminding them of their past sins and reminding them of 
who they used to be. And it never failed. The next Friday, there would be one or two people missing. And I would call them up and, and check on them. And they'd say, well, I just really, I started feeling so much guilt from my past that I feel like I, I don't belong with that group. And the next week, someone else would be gone. I remember one of the guys, I even went to his house to say, hey, this is when you need us the most. When you're feeling this, this guilt and this shame, when you have this fear that God doesn't love you enough, that's when you need us the most. Because often that's where our fears come from. We face something and we doubt that God loves us enough to get past it. Even when we know, we know God, we know he loves us, there's some things we face in life and we think, I don't know if God loves me this much. I don't know if God loves me enough to overcome this. And we run and hide from the one that loves us the most. And when you're facing fears and worry and doubt, when you feel guilt and shame, that's when you need the people around you the most. If you're in a life group, that's when you need your life group the most. If you have a bad week, that's not the time to skip life group. That's when you need them. It's not the time to, to skip out on church and try to hide from God one week. That's when you need him. Someone asked this weekend when we had the baptism, they, they pulled me to the side and said, hey, what happens if I sin again after this? And the, res, the answer to that, the response is you run to God. When we sin, when we fail, we don't run and hide like Adam did. We run to God. And God is waiting there for us. He wants us to run into his arms so he can hold you, so he can protect you, so he can comfort you. That's the God that we serve. That's the love that he has for us, that no matter what you've done, he's saying, hey, you can run to me. Let's, let's make this better. Just come into my arms. I'll hold you. I'll protect you. I'll take care of you. I love this verse that really makes me think about that is Luke uh, chapter 13, verse 34. It's Jesus talking, and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Man, just think about how much God loves you. Do you even realize... If you did realize how much God loved you, you wouldn't be afraid ever again. You wouldn't be worried ever again. Think about this picture of, of a God who's saying to the people, and he's talking to the people of Jerusalem, the people of Israel, and he's bringing up the horrible things that they did. And still, he said, how I have longed to just gather you. How I've longed to just gather you into my arms, but you weren't willing. Man, we need to be willing to run into his arms. No matter what you're facing, don't let fears take over. Don't let there be any room in your life for fear or worry. Just run into God's arms. Adam believed a lie from Satan and was now afraid and hiding from the God who loves him. In our family, we had an experience, even just recently, that Satan was lying to us. I've shared it with, with our team. We talked about it. I guess a few weeks ago when we had our, our big team meeting. But we were going through this time, and Satan was really lying to us. And he was trying to put fear. He was trying to put worry. He was trying to put something in our path to stop us. He'll always do that when you are doing what God's called you to do. This problem came up in our family, and it was Satan's way of trying to get us to quit, trying to get us to just buy tickets and go back home and give up on what he's called us to do. We had this problem 
uh, with our daughter. We have four kids. Our oldest is our daughter. She lives in the U.S. She's married. And we had this disagreement and this argument right before her, she got married. And because we live so far, she lives on the other side of the world, there was a lot of miscommunication, misunderstandings, and the relationship broke. How many of you have had broken relationships before? And there's nothing more painful than that, than having a relationship with someone you love broken. And we couldn't fix it. The more I tried to, to fix it myself, like we try to do first, normally as humans, we should go to God first, but we try to fix it ourselves. Then we re, when we realize I'm making it worse, then we back off, right? But it, it couldn't be fixed. It, was, it, was, it seemed like it was broken permanently. I, I couldn't fix it. And uh, it was two years. We didn't talk at all. Two years. Imagine for any parents here not talking to one of your children for two years. No messages, no, no Facebook message, no WhatsApp, no text, no communication over the phone, nothing at all for two years. There was nothing I knew to do just to trust God. Nothing other than that. I really think about this verse where it says to, to know his love and rely on his love because at that time, I just relied on his love. Carrie and I talked about it. We knew there was nothing we, do, we could do. We knew that Satan was trying to stop us is one thing. We didn't let fear creep in. We didn't let worry creep in. We just trusted God's love. Man, things were moving here. Things are going great. People's lives are changing. And that's just the time where Satan's going to say, hey, but your family's broken. He's lying to us. Before we went back to the U.S. for a few months recently, Carrie told me, she said, feel like God's been speaking to me, and he said, Satan's lying to you. Your family's not broken. When we went home, we thought, man, maybe while we're home, there'll be a chance to meet our daughter, and she and her husband came to our town visiting some other people, and Carrie called our daughter and said, hey, could we meet for dinner, and so we met. We had a nice dinner together, and after dinner, we started talking, and this relationship that had been broken for years no communication for two full years. God healed it in one dinner. One dinner. Just two hours hanging out. Just think about that for a moment. There's nothing that God can't fix. Satan will try to use it and say, hey, you need to quit what you're doing. Your family's broken. You need to fly back to America. Forget about the church. Forget about what God's called you to do. You've got a mess to clean up. But when we really can just be confident in God's love and just Rely on his love. Put it in his hands. That's all we did. There was never a time that we doubted his love for us. Never. You can ask Carrie. There was never a time that we were afraid that it wouldn't get fixed. There was never a time the whole two years that I worried that God couldn't handle it. Not because there's anything special with me. It's just because I've walked with God long enough to trust him. We've walked with him for 23 years. He has never once let us down. And when you walk with him, when you live in him, you build up to this point where, man, fears just start going away. There's no room for it. I know how much God loves me. That's why I've said a couple weeks ago, when I pray, I don't even have to ask God to bless me. I, I don't care. There's not one more thing I need God to do for me. I know he loves me. That's enough. And in our life, when that becomes enough, man, God loves me. I can face anything. I can do anything. We are unstoppable when we were confident about his love. 
We relied on his love. He fixed everything. And this was the exciting news we told the team a couple weeks ago. We had just heard from our daughter that that exact week that God healed our relationship, she became pregnant with what will be our first grandchild. So isn't that amazing? It's amazing that I look this young and I'm going to be a granddad. That's what's amazing. But what's amazing is how much God loves us. None of you in this room should ever doubt God's love. None of you in this room should ever fear again because God loves you so much, there's nothing that can stop you. Satan will keep trying, but don't have any room for it. Man, when you see fear, what fear needs to do is meet God's love. And you say, when fear pops up, you need to just say, hey, do you know how much God loves me? When you start to worry, stop for a minute and tell that worry, do you know how much God loves me? Some problem pops up in your life. Do you know that Jesus loves me? And let it just get kicked out of your life. I love it where it says perfect love casts out all fear. Man, God loves us so much. This next um, example of how someone experienced fear or it's really experiencing the presence of the Lord and how they dealt with it. Adam was afraid and ran and hid. Look at this in Revelation chapter 1. Verses 17 through 18. It's written by John the disciple, the same John who wrote the Gospel of John, the same John who wrote all of the epistles or the, the letters, uh, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Do any of you remember what, how John referred to himself in the Bible? He would always refer to himself as John the Beloved or John the one that Jesus loves. Man, do you think that was a little bit annoying to the other disciples? Here's like 12 of them. And if he introduced himself first, hi, I'm John, I'm the one Jesus loves. What are these guys feeling? You know, it's like when I, I always tell my brother that I'm my mom's favorite. Do any of you do that to your siblings? I tell my brother all the time, my, I'm my mom's favorite, you know. Uh, I don't know if Nemo does that sort of thing. I, always with our kids, there's some kind of argument. They all think the other one is the favorite. Isn't that how it is? Uh, but Nemo's the favorite. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding because we have no favorites. We love all of them. <laughs> and because this is recorded. If it wasn't recorded, I would have just went confidently with that. No, but we love Nemo. Um, but I tease my brother like that. Imagine this. As funny as it is to think about John referring to himself as the one Jesus loves, I love the confidence that he has in that. Man, you want to talk about someone who did not doubt it. He, that's his introduction. Hey, I'm John. I'm the one that Jesus loves. Do you know that every single one of you in this room could introduce yourself like that? I mean, if it's here at church, I don't care if you do it. In the lobby, introduce yourself that way. You know, hey, I'm Riandi. I'm the one Jesus loves. Hey, he loves me too. Yeah, he does. You know? I mean, we could do that. That's, that's who we are. That's our identity. We are, we are his beloved. When we know that, we don't have to be afraid. I, I love the confidence, and this is John that at a certain point in his life, before he wrote, wrote the revelation, he was going to be martyred, and he was going to be martyred in a horrible way. They, were, they boiled John in oil. Could you imagine? You know, like they put him in, the, like they're cooking him, right? He lived through it, and then since, since they couldn't kill him, and they couldn't try to kill him again, 
that was against the law. You could try to execute him. He didn't die. Then they just sent him out to this island to get rid of him. And on that island, he had this revelation and wrote this. And you want to talk about someone who, no fear. Hey, we're going to boil you, boil, boil you. That's hard to say for Southerners. Boil. We're going to boil you in oil. And John's like, I'm the one Jesus loves. Could you imagine being able to overcome that sort of thing? And then when he gets to that island and he sees Jesus in this revelation, he starts writing the book of Revelations. And then in chapter 1, verses 17 to 18 of Revelations, and can I ask the worship team or someone from worship to come up? We're going to close with this. In Revelations, John says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Think about these two different responses to the presence of the Lord. Adam ran and hid. John just fell down at his feet. When we experience God's presence, we can either run from him out of fear or we can fall down and worship him out of a fear of the Lord, reverence and respect. And man, even Jesus here is telling him, don't be afraid. I have the keys to death and Hades. What he was saying is, I have the authority. I have the control. Whoever has the keys has the access. Whoever has the keys has the control. Whoever has the keys has the authority. Whoever has the keys can unlock what needs to be unlocked and can lock up what needs to be locked up. That's who Jesus wants to be in your life. If you just trust him and rely on his love, you don't have to push your way through life and you don't have to stand back in fear. He will unlock what needs to be unlocked before you. And he'll lock the doors that you need to move away from and find another way. He locks. He unlocks. He's the one in authority. These two different reactions to the presence of the Lord. In Adam, it's an example of who we are in ourself, in our flesh. In Adam, we run and hide because in our sin, we have everything to fear. In Adam, in ourself, in our flesh, we are sinners. On our own, we have everything to fear. On our own, we need to run and hide from God. Thank Jesus, we have nothing to fear. In Jesus, we worship God because in his righteousness, we have nothing to hide. Everything's just open before Jesus. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be worried. Everything's just open before him. When we're in the presence of God, we don't have to run and hide. We just fall at his feet and worship because we know that he loves us so much. Everything's going to be okay. There's nothing that can destroy us that we need to be afraid of. The fear of the Lord is different than being afraid of God. When we're afraid of God, it's when we don't understand his love. It's when we're afraid that we're going to be punished for what we've done. The fear of the Lord is when we know we can't lose his love. What we're afraid of is being outside of his protection. What we're afraid of is being outside of his arms. When I think about this, and I've shared this before, I, I think about when I was teaching our kids how to swim. 
And if you've ever taught a child how to swim, you know, you take them into the deep side of the pool and you're having to try to convince that child that they can trust you. Because, man, when you go out in the deep water, I can remember with Gabriel, he's hanging on as tight as he can. And then I I put him over on the edge of the pool and I'm going to step away and see if he'll swim to me. And, you know, if you've seen that, normally it starts out like this. The the child is hanging on to the edge and you're close enough that they can sort of reach you while still holding the edge, you know. Then you back up a little bit more, building this trust, saying, hey, son, just jump in my arms. Just swim to me. And I remember when Gabriel the first time launches off the edge of the pool, gets into my arms, and I just wrap my arms around him, and he's hanging on so tight. All of his fear was gone at that moment because in his father's arms, he was fearless. And I told him, hey, you don't have to worry. I'm never going to let go of you. That's the same kind of love that God has for us. His arms are right there saying, hey, you can let go of the edge. Just jump into my arms. I'm never going to let go of you. You can be fearless. I love you so much. You don't have to have any fear. Even in the deep end of life, even when the water feels like, man, it's over my head here, God's not going to let go of you. He's going to hang on. We we have fearlessness. We can live fearless in his arms. Would you stand with me, please? I just want to take some time to pray for you. I'm excited about this series because we are going to be powerful Christians. We are going to be fearless. We're not going to have fears and worries. By the end of this series, all of that's going to be gone. But I want to pray for you because I know that many of you in here, Satan is lying to you and has been probably this last week. Some of you, maybe he's been lying to you for years saying, hey, God does not really love you that much. Maybe some of you are facing fears this week and there's something so big. You're like, man, I I love God and I know he loves me, but I don't know if he loves me that much. And then God brings you in here to be reminded again, I love you even greater than that. I love you even more than you can imagine. Some of you maybe have been kept up at night, worried or fearful. Maybe you're feeling guilt or shame about your past again. Maybe Satan's tried to convince you that God doesn't love you enough to overcome these things in your life. But Jesus is greater. Jesus is bigger than anything you face in this life. Whatever problems, whatever fears, whatever struggles. And God loves you more than you can even imagine. The only way you need to be afraid this morning is if you are not in God's arms. If you don't know Jesus yet. And the good news about that is Jesus is always standing there with his arms wide open, saying, hey, just jump back in my arms. Well, how I have longed to gather you in my arms, but you weren't willing. Run into his arms this morning. Can we close our eyes? If you're here this morning and you, you don't know Jesus yet, and you want this relationship, you want this confidence of his love, and this morning you just need to run into his arms, would you hold your hand up so I can pray for you? You just want to run into his arms this morning. Father, you see the hands that are raised. Lord, you see my friends that this morning are saying, I need to be in your arms, God. I can't make it on my own anymore. Man, I've got so many fears and so many worries. I can't can't fix the problems around me. 
I can't save myself, God. I need to run into your hands. Jesus, wrap your arms around me. Lord, I pray that you would give them confidence in your love. If you're here this morning and you're facing some big situation in your life that is trying to put fear there, would you raise your hand so I could pray for you? There's something going on in your life right now, and this morning you've been reminded that that is Satan trying to stop you. That's Satan trying to put fear in your life. Jesus, you see the hands that are raised. Lord, I pray that after hearing this message that my brothers and sisters would have no more room in their lives for fear because your love for them is so great, it's so full, it's so complete, it's so perfect that it takes up all the space in their life. There's no room to fear anything. There's no room to worry. They're doing something for you. They're living for you. They're running after you. There's no time for fear in this life. There's no time for worry because we have a mission. We have a purpose. Lord, I pray your blessings over everyone here today, Lord. We're so thankful for your words that encourage us. I pray that we all leave this place confident in your love and that we all leave this place fearless. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 